Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today, we're fortunate to be talking with Tyrone E. Cooey, who is a founding member and president of the National Historically Black Colleges and Universities Alumni Association's Foundation. We're also joined today by Richard Smith, the Vice President of Strategic Development for the National HBCU Alumni Association's Foundation. Richard also serves as an adjunct professor at Webster University. Ty, please tell us a little about the foundation and the current work you do with the HBCUs. Sure. Our foundation was founded in 2010 as an LLC originally. And in 2016, we became a 501c3, turned ourselves into a foundation. Since we were primarily dealing with educational institutions, historically Black colleges and universities, as well as many of our potential investors, donors, preferred dealing more so with a nonprofit than for-profit. So we made that switch, and actually, things have really been booming over the past two years during the pandemic. Our real success has taken place during the past two years, financially and support from industry and the nonprofit sector as well. Thanks, Ty. So can you please expand a little bit more on what you do with HBCUs? Sure. What we do, we seek out different resources for our HBCUs, our alumni, students from corporate America. We run interference. We act as a clearinghouse for many organizations that indicate that they're interested in inclusiveness, diversity, finding qualified students. We as an organization, we represent a little over 5 million graduates of HBCUs. So we can find any type of person from an astronaut to a chemist to a gym teacher, you name it, professional football player, we can find those sort of graduates from our HBCUs. We're that clearinghouse for any sort of industry that's looking to engage our HBCUs. We vet them very carefully before we provide the connection information to that particular entity that they may be interested in. It sounds like you are doing a lot of important work. So following up more on the HBCUs, and I know this might be a, a lot to summarize in a few minutes, but can you just give us an update on where HBCUs have been over the past decade and where we're at now? Well, over the past decade, I guess they've been in the same position that they were when they were first started, underfunded, undersupported, but they rise. They continue to move forward. They create wonderful students, wonderful graduates. Because of that, a lot of industry is coming to our organization looking for these students. Within the past, I would say, two years, last year, especially after the George Floyd incident, many organizations have been really working with our organization as well as seeking out historically Black colleges and universities. Many donors have provided large sums of funds that we've read about, pressure we've all read about. Some of the spouses of some of the richest people in the world have donated hundreds of millions of dollars to HBCUs to assist them and some of the shortfalls that oftentimes the federal government has not provided. Well, I should say that they have provided, but the states have not provided those funds that the federal government have provided to many of our public HBCUs, but instead have given that money to predominantly white institutions. 
but the alumni are in there. The HBCUs are still teaching great students, uh, creating the best and brightest students that you can find on the planet. So HBCUs will continue to survive. We're more concerned about them thriving with the appropriate resources from the state governments as well as the federal government being very intentional as they've been very intentional and not funding our HBCUs. I think that's actually a really, really nuanced point for people to understand. When you look at systemic inequities, this is case in point of things that we as a society need to work on. When you look at systemic inequities, it's so important, whether it's celebrating veterans on Veterans Day or in this case, Black History Month, where we've spent these days before honoring people and raising awareness. I think it's really important to also think about while public funds are absolutely the engine that drive so many institutions in academia, the private funds that are raised is what provides that margin of excellence for organizations to go from being good to being great. I know as part of a foundation that represents a group of alumni associations at HBCUs, raising funds must be really important. And we'd really love to encourage people who listen to the podcast that if you're going to do something this month, that maybe considering a gift to an organization like yours would be a great way to not only raise awareness and further your education on the subject, but also do something to help and make a difference. If somebody was inclined to make a gift, where would you encourage them to go to do that? They can come to our website, which is www.nhbcuaa.org. Or they can call me directly, 301-537-3917. Ty, can you tell us some hot-button issues that your foundation has been working on over the past few years? Sure, Jelly. We've been working on some real significant issues, actually three key ones. And luckily, I have our vice president, who's really the brains behind that. But I'll just briefly mention that we have been engaged getting uh, the students out to vote, helping them to register primarily in the state of North Carolina over the past year or two. We've had great success with that. We've also worked with the Census Bureau to get folks out for the 2020 census. And as we all know, in this great state of North Carolina, due to some of our work, we won't take all the credit, but they did receive an additional congressional representative in the great state of North Carolina. And I think a lot of that was predicated on many of the HBCU students that we engage with, the importance of getting engaged with the systems. And when you look at the millennials and the Generation Z students, that's the largest voting bloc that we have in this nation. So we've been pushing a lot of the training that we've created for our alumni association into actual practice to see how it works. And we've had great successes by doing that in the state of North Carolina, so much so that one of the largest HBCU organizations, the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, came to us based on our success and getting students registered and created a partnership with us this past summer. But I'll pause for a moment since Richard is the key person within our organization that have been managing that process. So Richard, would you like to address that? Certainly, President Cooey. 
short and sweet, what Ty is describing is affectionately called our HBCU Student Ambassador Voter Registration, Education, Mobilization, and Get Out the Vote project. Uh, we started it in 2020 with the presidential election. We got funding to run two pilot sites. We actually ran three pilot sites for that year. And each HBCU had five student ambassadors per school to actually take on the task of student education for voter education, registration, and to mobilize them to get off the boat. And from those activities, as Ty alluded, our affiliation with the Census Bureau and some grassroots nonprofits, we were able to improve the voting participation for our students at these HBCUs on average about 10% across the board. Uh, very aggressive targeting activity where this is a project run by students, managed by students. The work is done by students on campus specifically, looking at their student population to determine what students are actually registered to vote, and then building registration education campaigns around that to get them registered and then motivate them to actually go vote. So we added to that mix in 2020, nine early voting sites which were staffed by students to actually be a guide of information for voters coming to the polls on how to vote, where to vote, what the issues are, et cetera. And then we moved from those three pilot schools in 2020 to actually six HBCUs in 21 to 22. In the state of North Carolina, we have 10 four-year HBCUs. That's why we chose North Carolina. We now have six of the HBCUs running and looking to expand to the other three or four uh, as we move forward and then expansion beyond North Carolina students. So that's what Ty was speaking to. And we're very excited about that. That's our student engagement pathway, as Ty alluded, twofold education for voter registration, civic engagement, and scholarship funds. And then employment is the other student engagement track that we're promoting and supporting with our activities in North Carolina. So Richard, just so we make sure we have your name and your position correct, introduce yourself and explain what you do and who you are. Also, the work that you all are doing with Sherwin-Williams and the League of Southeastern Credit Unions. My name is Richard Smith. I currently serve as the vice president for the foundation. I wear many hats, specifically of late, the student engagement project activity that I spoke to earlier, which does include two parts education and scholarship. And second one is employment and the company's engagements that we launched this past year because they called us and said they wanted to create a pipeline connection to our HBCUs. So we actually have three of them in motion today. You mentioned two of them. The other one would be called FlexTech. FlexTech Group is a uh, corporate entity that in the business of uh, selling copiers, printers, uh, supplies, that also wants to join us in this, this journey of working with our HBCUs and supporting students and employing students. Uh, so those are the two primary uh, areas that I'm focused on today. And when I have another free moment, I do fundraising, marketing, uh, and other things as a sign, depending on what we're going. We're a very flat organization, so we wear many hats. Uh, so Ty and I talk constantly morning, noon, and night, and sometimes weekends too. So we were you know, very, very busy, but uh, passion, labor of love, working with our HBCUs. And if I didn't say it, uh, I hail from the great University of North Carolina Central University. That's the maroon and gray banner you see on my right side, your left. And then our foundation banner 
uh, on my left. I keep these up at all times so that people know that I represent these two organizations. I'm a proud graduate of NCCU, uh, former National Alumni Association president, and that's why Ty invited me to the party, so to speak. This is not a question. This is more of a comment talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just the hiring process, but in the work that people do. And there's some academic institutions, I believe, who've taken it and understand why it's good for their organization. End of discussion. But what you're seeing more broadly in recruitment, you're seeing lots of corporations the size of the ones that you're discussing here who are taking things in a different seriousness than they did three years ago. And I think that that's a wonderful direction that you all are doing. It was definitely something that I found amazingly interesting personally and want to learn more and continue to learn more. Just one last question, the PWI partnership between Fort Valley State and Utah State, what specifically is that partnership? Is that on the student side or in the employment side? It covers the whole gamut. It's a concept that I came up with after January 6th. Uh, what we witnessed at the Capitol, I realized that uh, our nation was really in trouble. And I felt as though, and I bounced it off of Richard. I normally bounce everything off of Richard, and he normally bounces it back to me. But we thought that by getting an HBCU, a historically Black college and university, which we were connected to, the PWI being Utah State University, my alma mater, that's where I went to undergrad. We work closely with Fort Valley State University there in Georgia with uh, President Dr. Paul Jones. We work very closely with the president at Utah State, Dr. Noel Caucus, and brought these two leaders together, explain the importance of coming up with a holistic inclusionary program at colleges and universities that could be a national, international model. The acronym is HIP, H-I-P. They liked the concept, and this was, uh, it started a year ago this month during Black History Month when I was asked to be on a panel at Utah State. And I challenged the leadership of Utah State that although they were being inclusive, they had to be much more intentional. We had to deal with issues that were really real that most Americans were not aware of, such as uh, the vital part that HBCUs played in winning World War II with the Tuskegee Airmen and many of the HBCUs that were involved in that, as well as our race to space against the Russians, how the HBCUs and many women math majors played a vital part and coming up with the algorithm to go to outer space that there's been recent movies, but God, we've never heard of this in schools. So we have to really deal with the truth about our history so all children will understand what's going on, who really contributed to this nation's wealth and greatness from the first 300 years of this nation's wealth, dealing with cotton, the last 100 years dealing with the oil industry, as far as wealth in this nation and what people help in that endeavor. So at any rate, I got the attention of both of these leaders. They thought it was a great idea, and they're working now as we speak during this month. It took them a year after I presented the concept, the idea, the outline that 
both of their teams from both schools have been working together, and they're going to ultimately have an exchange of the presidents exchanging to the schools, the board of directors exchanging, the students exchanges, and really making a real difference because when you work with people and get to know people, things are a lot different than what we hear about people. You know, I'm proud to say I went to Utah State, got a chance to meet a lot of Mormon folks. Many people may have one view of Mormon people because perhaps they've never met them, as, you know, a lot of people may have one view of Black people because they've never met them. But once you begin to engage young people together, that's when we have the changes. And that's what we've been attempting to do with our organization recently, because the opportunities have opened up with industry really trying to be inclusive and coming to our organization, as I had mentioned earlier, to run interference. So the HBCU PWI program is up, it's running, and we're looking for Utah State, Fort Valley State University to bring it home for this wonderful nation that we live in. That's part of the uh, program that we started with uh, an HBCU and a PWR. That was fantastic. Thank you, Ty, for sharing with us about that extremely important program. The use of dialogue between parties is so very important. Richard, would you be able to share with our listeners the work that you all are doing with employment firms like the Sherwin-Williams Pink Company, the League of Southeastern Credit Union, and the FlexTech Group? Certainly. Excellent question. Thank you for asking. The gist of it is this activity under student employment falls under what we affectionately call STEAM, Student Employment Engagement and Mentoring. And what that looks like is that students are going to college to further their education in a particular discipline, and they're going to become a practitioner in something upon graduation. And so this is designed to talk about the destination of the student, walking with them from freshman through graduation and on to employment or higher education, whatever that destination is. And from an employment perspective, the three companies you listed or part of this activity to say that this will be a destination for them when they graduate in their respective discipline to be that practitioner or in business or in science or in education, whatever that might be. So we operate in this space under what we call the SEEM, Student Employment Engagement and Mentoring. And with that, it's about employment, it's about engaging the students, and it's about mentoring too. If they need to speak to someone who has done it or is doing it a big brother, big sister, or just ask a very intelligent question. How did you get here? What did you do? I often participate in what we call motivational task force activities with my alma mater, where I go into the classroom and present myself as a testimony that once upon a time, I was a student sitting in the seat you're in, had questions. How did I figure it out? Who helped me get there? And so we offer that as a kind of a, a support arm as well. We are certainly staying busy in this discussion. Our contact with our alumni association allows us to plug into the network if we need to speak to someone in a particular discipline, in a particular part of the country. We do that uh, as needed and connect folks so we can have dialogue, be very intentional, and assist our students in making sure that the educational journey is fulfilling, it is impactful, and that they can look at gainful employment upon graduation because I've said this more than once. 
an unemployed or an underemployed graduate is going to be hard for us to be a, an outstanding alumni to support the university and or join their alumni association and or support us. So if we can help them, they will remember that and be more engaged, more receptive, and be a lifelong loyal alumni once they get there. And I can speak as a testimony to that. Everything I just described to you, I benefited from my journey through NCCU to gainful employment as a student with co-ops and internships and then permanent employment. And I've been dedicated and committed to NCCU ever since uh, graduation. So it does work and someone invested in me. So we need to invest in them for the future. And I'll end on this note that our students really are our future. And because of student engagement, we are enjoying the benefits of what happened in the 60s. So one of our initiatives is say, okay, we need to re-energize that concept, invest in students so that they are leading the conversation because as you all would very know that adults who are gainfully employed are a little more risk adverse than students in terms of being very outspoken and engaging. So students certainly want them to be very well-educated and very aggressive, not afraid to take risks and pursue those careers that they, they want and no longer talk about glass ceilings and barriers to success. And then we want to try to help facilitate that as much as we can. So that's what the scene is designed to do. And we don't pretend to have all the answers, but we give a little and, and we try to you know, make a difference as we move through this. And so far, so good. I think that was extremely helpful. At the end of the day, your institution of any variety, if it's not delivering employment opportunity post-graduation that the student feels is commensurate with the energy and the resources that they've put into their studies and acquired this knowledge and these skills, it may be that you've done a bunch of different things as an institution that are extremely worthy, but to that student, the experience has not met the expectations that they had for their experience. I think that that's extremely helpful. Coming back to, Ty, the dialogue that you were discussing between Utah State and Fort Valley State University, the dialogue between folks has an amazing ability to break down barriers. One of the understated benefits of college athletics is also that same ability for alumni and students to have that shared experience, to have those shared experiences between institutions having something that the college community has experienced together, being on a college campus of any variety on a football Saturday in the fall when the weather is much different than right now, and having people excited about the promise of a new academic year is a shared experience that no matter where you went is something that uh, makes a difference. In your experience, there is a large tradition of athletics within HBCUs how important is it to your member organizations, as well as the alumni that they serve, to have that shared experience in 2022? Well, I think it's one of the greatest experiences that I personally have witnessed at any college or university during football season, during homecoming. The bands are just amazing. It's just a whole different world. Unlike my personal experience, although I was playing football at the time, and of course you didn't see the band, but now since I'm an alum of Utah State and I go back and I see the bands, it's like day and night. So it's, it's nice when you can blend these two entities, sharing what one band is doing at an HBCU 
what one band is doing at a PWI, uh, what students are doing. And students are all, as you articulated, are all doing the same thing when it comes to the football season, the change in the weather, just young people exchanging ideas, the hopes, the dreams. And that's why they have these great professors at the HBCUs and great coaches providing these young people with these opportunities. And of course, scholarships are important. One thing that uh, I hope Richard may touch on is the scholarships that we help direct, 25 scholarships from an entity. Can I mention the name, Richard? The Renaissance? (laughs) Oh, certainly. Go ahead. Yeah, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, around January of last year, uh, they came to us uh, looking for what schools that they could uh, intentionally give 25 scholarships to. And we came up with three suggested schools, North Carolina Central University, Hampton University, and Stillman College. And that's been going on for a year. And we'll be going back to them to see if they're ready to expand that, because at one point they had indicated they would like to provide hundreds of scholarships to our HBCUs. So we're just very excited about organizations like the Renaissance, like the Sherwin-Williams Paint Company, the League of Southeastern Credit Unions, just uh, FlexTech. We're just very excited. And we have quite a few others that's being vetted that have come to us just making sure that they're real because our schools really don't have a whole lot of time to waste with something that's not real. Things are really looking up at our HBCs. Richard, you may want to go into greater detail. What I would add is that uh, each of the three companies that we're talking to now bring with them a set of scholarship offerings as well. So we're going to talk to all HBCs in the state of Georgia and Alabama under the League of Southeastern Credit Unions, they want to set up a scholarship account with each one of those 18 HBCUs in those two states. So as Ty mentioned, we had 25 originally with the Renaissance Foundation. Now add these three companies to the mix, and that's going to be a 1 to 18 multiplier across those HBCUs. And as Ty said, there are others that are approaching us as well. That we're going to try to do the same thing from an investment for education as part of the conversation and the journey these students are on, I would add that to the conversation. And the great thing about that is that when you do the research as far as why students at HBCUs and probably at any school drop out is because of funding, lack of funding. So this mechanism, these scholarships is reducing a lot of those issues that will help with retention of students at HBCUs. So we're very excited about that. I have a final question, and actually it's a, both a statement and a question. I want to compliment you both on the work you're doing. I must say one of the best parts of my job is I get to meet people like you, and I'm inspired by your stories. I could tell by just what you said. You are dedicated and inspired, and both of you, Ty and Richard, are saying how you bounce ideas off of each other, and your passion and dedication truly show. And I know you kept using the word exciting, and I agree. You are both making exciting things happen on college campuses. You're talking about scholarships and moving things forward, which I think is so important. So moving into my question, it's a career-related question. If I were to ask you your elevator speech, why you do the work you do, what would you each say? I would say I have one life to give, and I'd rather give that life to HBCUs in this great nation that we live in. 
My humble beginnings, I was taught as a child to serve. Your testimony to be, what did I do for mankind while I was on planet Earth? And when I understood the, the religious teachings, my time on Earth, uh, I just thought about it in simple terms. If I do all that I can for the goodness of mankind and say that my life made a difference, that I added value to someone's journey as I went through life, that testimony that when it's time for me to approach the pearly gate and I meet St. Peter, I wanted him to open the book and said, yes, your name is here. We've been waiting for you. Sorry to pull you off before you were ready to go, but it's time to come and rest and be a part of this community. I do it because it was given to me as a child from my parents, my neighborhood, my village, that we should be about serving others, helping others along the way and making a difference. And the question should be easily stated from someone. He made a difference because he lived. He'll be missed because he was a contributor, not just pass through and then take. He didn't take and, and not give. I want to be remembered for that. And so it's the, the talents discussion. I want to take things and multiply it and you know, be a, a contributor to it, not a taker only. I got a limited time on planet Earth. I'm having fun. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm working with people that I love. And this is important work. So I, I will give it my all as long as I can. And, and certainly if I'm allowed passage through the pearly gates, I'll try to continue that there and certainly uh, smile upon the, the earth and say, let's continue this great work. Sorry for the longer answer than short, but that's what, what we do. Thank you so much. Truly, you are both inspiring. And I, I mean, it. I really appreciate the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Richard, for just some wonderful insights, some amazing programs and some real food for thought for folks who want to make a difference and care about seeing the world and tackling some of the most important things that face our communities today. I think it's great seeing how much Ty and Richard's amazing passion for this work really does make a difference in the lives of students and alums of these HBCUs that they serve. And it's amazing to me seeing how unique of a role the HBCU plays at colleges and universities. Thanks to Ty and Richard, and thank you, Kelly, and enjoyed our conversation today. And thank you all for listening out there. We look forward to talking soon.